comes from you, Father. And you ask us to steward what's yours and to be a good steward of what's yours, a, a mature steward of what is yours. So we give back to you, Father, just the small portion of what you give to us. And I ask, Father, this morning, like you did with the loaves and the fish, Lord, just to multiply so we're able to com- continue to be able to uh, show your love uh, through this act of maybe paying bills for people, maybe uh, through putting food on tables, maybe from supporting the work in Cambodia uh, here, uh, just being able to, to buy someone a coffee or, or spend time with, with, with someone, Lord, to be able to spend time with you because part of this pays my income, Lord. And so, Father, we just lift it up to you. And we thank you that you're a generous, resourceful Father. And so, Lord, help us in this area. If we struggle in this area, Lord, if we find ourselves in fear in this area, Lord, I pray you'd break that off us and that fear, would, uh, faith would come into us and that we would uh, activate and, and, and faith would be released and so we can be set free from the fear that holds us in this thing of money. So, God, we just give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I'm not finished praying. I'm going to pray again. Um, I'm pumped this morning. Um, and so, Lord, I, I, I thank you. I thank you that there is a joy in you that is void of circumstance and situation. I thank you, Lord, there is life in you that is void of circumstance or situation. I thank you that circumstance or situation doesn't alter the joy and the peace and the love that's found in you. I thank you, Lord, that it can continue to grow and be built, even though at times life may be hard, things may happen around us. There is a reality that is found in the Son through the cross and resurrected life that leads us into freedom. It leads us into life. It leads us into you. It sets us free from the chains of bondage. It sets us free from insecurity. It sets us free from worry. It sets us free from depression. It sets us free from anxiousness. It sets us free from never thinking we have enough and going for more. It sets us free from every demonic thing that's been established to hold the church back. I thank you, Father, that in your Son, Jesus Christ, is where spirit and truth are found. I thank you that the spirit of truth is discovered in him. I thank you that he holds all the answers to life and death. I thank you that your son, where where are we going to go? You hold the answers to life and death. I thank you that life is found in the Christ. I thank you that it is not found in anything else, no substance, no other person than the son, Jesus. And I thank you that you've sent your son for us that we may enter into the door and through the door of kingdom life. Joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that that same Spirit lives in us. I thank you, Father, that we have invited you in. If we have committed our lives, then you will you promise that you will come and establish your kingdom, your life in us through the power of your Spirit. 
So Father, today I pray that you would reveal your Son to a greater measure to us that we may enter into the life that is contained in the kingdom of God. I pray that we would enter into the life that is found in the Son of God. That you would set us free, fill us up to an overflowing measure, a cup that just gets poured out of it, rivers of living water, because the spirit and truth, the Christ is there, is in, and is coming forth through a spiritual interaction with a spiritual being. And I thank you, Father, that is the reality that we are to be in and moving towards more and more as your people being set apart, being set apart, living in another reality to the reality that exists here on earth, living in this invisible but visible reality. So give us eyes to see it. Give us ears to hear the language of the Spirit. Give us a posture today to be able to enter into the kingdom. Not only seeing it, but experiencing it for ourselves. Jesus, that's what you've come for. Repent because the kingdom is at hand. The spiritual, invisible transformation of one realm to another. And then I'm coming to establish it politically, governmentally on the earth where everyone will look to me and bow their knee. Jesus, we thank you for living truth. We thank you that living truth sets us free. And so God, this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us into truth. Lead us into your Son. For He said, I am the truth. And I am the way. And I am the life. It's the only way to the Father. Resurrected life through the Christ is what I've come to establish in the hearts and the minds of my people. So Lord, we submit ourselves to you today. We open up our hearts. We want to walk in humility to receive. Give us discernment today in wisdom. May we not let the enemy shut off what you want to do. May we not let ourself and our own mind shut off what you're trying to bring us into. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Two weeks ago, um, I was semi-awake, semi-asleep. It was about six o'clock, and how did I know it was six o'clock if I was asleep? Because <laughs> I woke up and I saw the clock, but I was in this state of just sort of like, sort of waking up, but not. And the only word I can describe, and I was pondering over three days trying to figure this word out, and Debbie sort of gave it to me as we were dialoguing, is I was apprehended by a particular passage in Scripture. That's the best way I can describe it. Apprehended by a particular passage, John 4, 23, 24. It literally was like, if I can describe this, I felt like God thrusted it into me. And I woke up. I went upstairs and I just started praying in tongues for about an hour, really quite boldly. I don't know if you pray in tongues, but just boldly in the Spirit, just declaring. I started texting the elders. I text the staff. I text the discipleship group I'm in, uh, my life group. And I said, there's something on this. There's something about this that God wants us to seek and dive into and understand. 
something that God is looking for. And God's been speaking to me also from Mark 4, which is about the parable of the kingdom. The parable of the kingdom. Not Jesus just came down and died for our sin and so we can go to heaven. No, the parable of the kingdom. The entire what Jesus came to bring. And there's such a connection between these two passages because when you read through that passage of the kingdom, you see people that allow fruit. They're allowing the seed to produce a work in them. But you see three groups of people that don't allow the work to happen. All the work starts and then the work gets choked because things like worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and other desires come in and start to choke the the life that's on that seed. But there are these other people that allow the seed to germinate and grow because they're giving over their own lives and these people start producing this fruit in them, starts to come forth out of them, things like love and grace and patience and gentleness and kindness, that the fruit of the Spirit starts to manifest and comes forth. And the Bible says that God gives them more to these people. And He takes away what these other people had, and He gives that to the people that are producing more. And John 4.23 talks about these people that are true worshippers. And I just started praying in tongues, and then on Friday I was driving to my discipleship group in the morning. And I just felt the presence of the car just come, and I started praying in tongues again. And I'm like, God, if you've been beside me, you thought, mate, that's either a funky song on the radio he's listening to or he's out of his head. And so I get to my group and the guys are there and we start praying and I just start sharing with them. I said, there's something in this passage. Always has been. It's not like it's new. It's been sitting in there. But Holy Spirit's got me. He's, he's apprehended me and I believe we are to be looking at it as a community. You can just read it and go, oh yeah, those that worship the Father in spirit and truth, they're the, they're the ones that God looks for. Yeah, cool, cool. What does that even mean? And there is a message currently on the website because I, I, I spoke to a, a, a group of people that are in this discipleship environment last week. So if you want to go have a look at that, it's on the website. It's just called True Worshippers. This is called True Worshippers 2. So if you want to get the full context of that. And if you're interested in going deeper uh, as, as, a, as a disciple, if you're interested in being in an environment where you'll be challenged to the core, where you'll be uh, asked to contend for stuff, if, you, if you're interested in, in really getting into the meat and being, you know, corrected in love and correcting others and being encouraged, then come and see me um, because these groups have been going for a year. Uh, it, there's a greater responsibility to be in it. There's a greater responsibility to be a pillar. So there's a, Jesus said, count the cost. If you want to come follow me, count the cost and come after me. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It'll cost you resource. It'll cost you energy. But I guarantee you, you will find life. And so if you want to be part of that, come and, come and see me. But um, in, in the Gospel of uh, in Mark 4, in this kingdom, the Bible discusses about mysteries of the kingdom. And... You see Jesus talking and, and, and he says there are these men and women called Pharisees, uh, Sadducees, scribes. And he says, you know what? Even though they see, they're never going to perceive. Even though they hear, they're never going to hear what I'm saying. I speak a language and it's already been prophesied. They're never actually going to understand what I say. I don't know if that's fear, but it's the way he does it. And so they're never going to quite get it. But then he turns to his disciples and he said, but... You've been given 
to know. You're to know the mysteries. You're to know the parables that I speak. You're to be able to come into what I'm saying. And we see this reality where even the disciples of that time still, they're not getting it. They're not, they're not getting some of the things. They're still going, what is he talking about? And you see Jesus having to take them aside and describe things to him. And even then, they still don't really get it. They're struggling. They get some things, but they don't really get it. And I can sort of, I can sort of understand that because, especially on the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were never going to get it. So he said, that's blocked from them. This time it's blocked. The disciples, you can go, well, okay, because they hadn't had the pouring out of the Spirit yet. You know, as they're walking with Christ, the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out into them like it did in Acts. So they're trying to understand spiritual concepts, spiritual things, this other reality that Jesus walked in and came from, while they're still in this other reality. They haven't yet had the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They can understand the things of the Spirit. But what about us? Because they came into the things of the Spirit when the Spirit was poured out into them. And the men and women that you look at after Pentecost to what you look at before are quite different. Not perfect, but they've got boldness. They've got courage. They've got passion. They've got life. They don't seem to sort of go up and down, up and down and putting their foot, continuing their mouth. Peter just seems to start soaring. But what about us? Because we are after the outpouring of the Spirit. The Spirit got poured out 2,000 years ago. So we are fully capable of having that Spirit in us to a full measure overflowing that we would understand the mysteries, that we wouldn't be found pre-Pentecost going, I don't get it, it's okay, but are we moving towards because that has, that Spirit has been poured into us? So come with me to John four twenty-three, And we're going to look at this passage of true worshippers. Why even say true worshippers? Why does, why does John go to the length to actually put that even in? Why not just say worshippers? But he goes to specific length to actually share the word true worshippers. And we know that nothing in this book is by mistake. Everything's by intention. And so he intentionally wants to write down here something for us to understand. And so you see in verse 23, and the context is Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman at the well. But I want us to put ourselves into this picture, because so often we it's very easy to paint in the third person thing. You know, just look at it and go, oh, this is what's happening historically, and all that's cool. And look at the woman. And that's awesome, but what about me? What is God wanting to say to me through this passage? What truth does he want to bring to me? Because that's the question that everyone has to ask themselves, isn't it? The people that were back here. This woman is finding herself being presented with a reality. And she has to say, what does this mean for me? What's going to happen here to me? And he says, but an hour is coming and now is. I love that. There's an hour coming, it's now arrived. It's right here. When true worshippers, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, 
And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And then she says this in verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when that one comes, He will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So you're waiting for the Messiah to come. He's arrived and He stands right in front of you and says the hour has come. The thing you're waiting for has arrived. You see, we can be awaiting for things that have already arrived. We can be praying for things that have already arrived, but we're unaware they've already arrived because we're still waiting for things and they're here. The Spirit's been poured out. It was poured out 2,000 years ago. But some people are still waiting for the pouring out of the Spirit to come again. Now, I'm not saying that may not happen, but the reality for us to walk in is now. Because the Spirit can be poured out externally and we see amazing things happen, but it doesn't influence us one bit. That goes, it moves on, look at history, and we're still the same people. Because the Spirit's to be poured out into us. Into the church. Not a building, not an atmosphere. Into. Firstly, I'm into both. But a time is it is coming, it now is, and I'm now looking, I scan the earth, Chronicle says, to and fro, looking for these people who are defined as true worshippers. And I don't want to get too much into my message. It's on the website already. I'm tempted to. But what does it look like to worship the Father in spirit and truth? What does it actually look like? Does it look like this? Well, he says it looks like someone who worships in spirit and truth. So yeah, I could sing and that's all good. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm worshipping. I give, that doesn't mean I'm actually worshipping. I can do all the things and not actually be in this posture. I can be ticking boxes and not actually be in a posture that Christ came to bring me into. Which is an internal posture, firstly. Before it's ever about an external expression, it's an internal expression that gets expressed out of. But it's very hard to determine the difference sometimes when you get two people who look like they're doing the same thing. But one is in a completely different internal reality than the other. Does that make sense? And so what does it look like? First point of, I'm not sure if the PowerPoint's going guys, but the first thing is to worship in spirit and truth. To worship in spirit and truth means you have to be a person of the spirit. You actually have to be a person of the spirit because we're born not that way around. We are born into the kingdom of flesh, darkness. You've got to be a person of the Spirit. When Jesus came to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. You're not yet. So you think as one, not born of the Spirit. That's why he asked him, well, how does a man go into a woman's tummy again? How does that all happen? He's not born of the Spirit of God. He's not born of the reality of God. He's in a completely different culture to the one that Christ is in. Hence, they miss one another all the time. Hence, we need to be having our minds renewed all the time to the Spirit so we think like God and see like God and hear like God. 
So if you're going to be people who are true worshippers and worship the Father, because it says he's looking for these people, we must be people of the Spirit. You will never enter into, sorry, um, we have come into this reality through the Spirit of Revelation. Because when we are born, we are not in this reality. We are in the reality of another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And we need to be filled with His Spirit and power. That's why when we are born, we are separated from the Father. David said, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin. You know, Colossians says that Jesus has to come and rescue you and I out of the kingdom of darkness. What if he doesn't come? What if he wasn't sent? You and I are eternally in trouble. Because we are born into the opposite kingdom that he is born into. I have something in me that separates me from him. And so I must be someone who is born of the Spirit. Revelation, the Spirit of Revelation comes and fills me. And there's something where I get altered. I'm now birthed into the mode that he's in. The mode that he operates from. The way he lives his life. If you take Christ and you look at the world system, they are completely different, aren't they? He says, lose your life to find your life. But the world system says, no, find it, keep it, don't give it away. Well, that's the culture that we're all brought up in and the seed that we have in us. So we must be born of this seed, his seed, if we're going to even come into being someone of spirit and truth. Whose role is it to lead us into this posture? Ourselves? you think you can lead yourself into the, this posture? Whose role is it? What a trick question. The Holy Spirit. I give you the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. Whose truth? Christ. Basically, reword it. I'm leading you, the Holy Spirit I've been given to lead you into the fullness of life that is contained in my Son. Where's the Son? In us. Where's the Spirit? In us. That the fullness of life, that the mode of being that Jesus walked in, that He exuded, that He expressed. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You've been born again of my Spirit, a seed of my Spirit, to grow into the fullness of the Christ, my Son. So I give you my spirit to lead you. I put my power in you so it can actually happen. Because left to your own devices and your own strengths, you'll try and do it in your own strength and that'll get you killed. That'll just lead you to frustration. So we must be born of the spirit. We're truly going to be worship the Father in spirit and truth, which is one posture. We must be born of his spirit. The second reality is, what does it look like? It's the demonstration of Christ's life coming forth from you and through you, through the power of the Spirit. So what does it mean to be a worshiper in spirit and truth? It means that you and I, as his people, will actually demonstrate to the world what he looks like, what he did, his nature, his character, his power, 
will come through us. The demonstration of that reality on the earth. That is fully possible, guys. See, with man, it's impossible. There's a man who said, help me with my unbelief. His daughter was dying. And Jesus says, she will be healed. And he says, if, he actually says, if you can help me, Lord. And Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can help you? What are you talking about? If I, see, doubt. If I can help you, all things are possible for him or she who believes. And he walks in, heals the girl. And the man says, though, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. See, belief is a powerful thing, isn't it? But do you know unbelief is just as powerful? As much as belief opens up the supernatural reality realm that God walked in himself, unbelief shuts it down. That's why the mind has to be renewed through the Spirit of God. Because the natural mind will not understand the things of the flesh. It will actually shut it down. Who do you think you are, Jesus? You're just the carpenter. I'm the Son of God. No, you're not. We know you. We know your mother and we know your sisters and your brother. You're just the carpenter. I'm the Son of God. And so we are to demonstrate Christ in us, working through us, the demonstration of Christ on the earth. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 8. Just turn with me there. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 8. Paul's reliance upon the Spirit. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age nor of the rulers of this age, who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I don't come with charisma. I don't come with a great leadership ability anointing. I don't come with flash PowerPoints. I don't come with anything the world comes with to try and allure you. But what I come in is a wisdom and a power that is found in the Lord. It's found in God. And it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I come in a demonstration in me first, being transformed 
releasing, demonstrating like Jesus did, the love, the grace, the mercy, the joy, the peace, the righteousness, the freedom. It's, I'm a demonstration. I'm a living reality. Imitate me as I imitate him walking on the planet. This is the role of the church, to imitate, to demonstrate the reality of God to people. So when people meet you and me, they see God. They see a love coming out of the church that they cannot fathom because they cannot find it in their wisdom. He says, I don't come with a man that's done all this day, but who I come in, Christ and Christ crucified. A revelation of the reality of that very thing living in me. This man was such an intellect. But he says this, he comes in humility. He says, the only thing that I profess to know because I thought I knew a lot and I've discovered I know nothing is to come in Christ and Christ crucified and to be a demonstration of God on the earth. I pray that the manifold wisdom of God would come through the church to ignite that those in authority in the heavenly realm would actually see a people who are set apart from a culture of the world, have come out of Babylon, out of Egypt, and are living for a higher calling, a higher reality. And these people are true worshippers because they worship me in spirit and truth, not in man-made programs, not in man's attempt to try and create change, but in spirit and truth. They've entered into the kingdom. They've repented. They've acknowledged their dependence upon me. They've acknowledged something. They've recognized their dependency on me. They then acknowledge that. They then repent of it continuously. Repent because the kingdom is here. Repent. Change the way you think. Come back to me. Come into And they ask for more of me, for me to fill them with my reality so they can actually worship me in the spirit, in the reality of God, in the posture of God. And as they do that, they then, not them, me in them, starts to do a demonstration of me on the earth through them because they actually have this thing called the fruit of the spirit in them. I was pondering this thought the other day. It says, if you love God, you will obey his commandments. I don't know about you, but so often I reckon, could be a general statement, but I reckon this. In the natural, we do this. We go to the obey commandments first. Anyone else? We go, love me, obey commandments. Oh, I've got to obey the commandments. Man, that's heavy, isn't it? Obedience, it's so heavy. That word is so heavy. He's not saying that. What he's saying is this. If you taste me, if you actually come into me more and more, you'll just naturally obey me. The outcome is obedience. It's not the focus. But we're so law-minded at times, it's our focus. Got to obey. Got to obey. Got to obey. No, love. Fall in love. Fall in love with Him. But you've got to let go of you to fall in love with Him. Don't you? You've got to be found somewhere to fall in love with someone. See, the only way of entering into this is through a broken spirit, a broken heart. David said, 
You don't want offerings. You don't want me to come and do what you want is a contrite spirit, a broken, a humble heart that, that I can work with, that I can pour into because I see the desire. I see the desires for me. That's where Christianity starts and it continues because the whole thing is about a process of entire salvation, isn't it? Run the whole race. And that will lead you, trust me, it will lead us to demonstrate Him on the earth. One of the most beautiful pictures of someone demonstrating Christ, I believe, is Luke 7, where the woman who comes into the house and is found at his feet. Hear me, you can try and replicate that in the external and get nowhere. She, it says this, for much is forgiven, much is loved at the end. She's had a reality, a revelation. She's come into a posture where she understands who he is, what he's come for, what he's done for her, what she's been forgiven from, And the natural expression of that reality is to be found at his feet. She's wiping his feet with her hair. The religious guy is standing there looking and he is in so much self-righteousness that he even rebukes Christ to a measure. He says, if he knew who was touching her, So he's even given Christ a hard time. Yet this woman is demonstrating a picture. God has given us a picture of a true worshiper. But what we can't see is her heart. See, we don't have her reality. See, people can come and they can speak of their reality, but they can't give you their reality. They can't give you what the work that Christ has done in them. They can share about it. They can pray and hope, but what no one can do is give you the revelation that they've received. All they can do is encourage and ask you to go seek for your own. That's why the bride, the bridesmaids couldn't give. They couldn't give the Spirit of God. They couldn't give their reality away. They had to go. You see, this woman has found a measure, something in Christ, and it's being demonstrated. And the Word says this, This story will be told throughout the ages. And here we are talking about it today. And it will be continued to be told about because there's something about her heart where she's entered into a reality through revelation, through the unveiling of. And now she's demonstrating Christ on the earth. Her generosity whole year's wages. And what do his men say? Anyone know? What did the disciples say to her, pouring out her love and affection and her worship? What a waste of money. What posture do you think they're in? The kingdom or the world's? And yet she is like Mary and Martha, isn't it? Mary's sitting and Martha's worried about everything under the sun, it says. And she even gives Mary a hard time. 
come and get her off her chaff serving you and me. So you can even be wrapped up in ministry. It can look like it's effective and busy, and it's not. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. My reality, the demonstration of me right now in this moment, is sitting at my feet. In another moment in time, it could be making sandwiches. But right now, it's not. And you're missing it, Martha. Mary is demonstrating me right now on the earth for others to see. So there's this demonstration. Listen to John 8, 31, 32. If you continue in my word. Don't you love those little words, if? If you continue. See, everything's there for a purpose. Boom. What do you mean, if I continue? Then you are truly disciples of mine. True worshippers. I've added that. And you will know the truth. Gnosko. Greek word gnosko. You'll know it intimately. Who's the truth? Jesus. If you continue. Who's the word? Jesus. If you continue in Christ. If you continue in Christ. Then you will know the truth. Who's the truth? Christ. And the truth, Christ, will make you free. Some say set, mine says make. I like make better. It'll make you free. There's a freedom to be found in Him, in here, in here. I come to set the captive free. Or how much freedom do you want? Oh God, I'll just have a snippet, thanks. No, I've come to bring you the abundance of me. I've come to bring you into resurrected life in me. I am the example. I was not an ounce of bondage. I was completely free. Even when I was in chains, I was in freedom. Even when I was on the cross, I was in complete freedom. And I've come to bring my people completely into my reality. To demonstrate my reality. Now once again, it's fully possible in Him. There is a posture. It's called the Spirit. It's outside of this physical reality and exists right here. It's operating right now as I'm speaking. But we as the church, we've been given the Holy Spirit, must enter into it through obedience, through love, enter into and allow ourselves to be molded and shaped through the Spirit of God if we're going to live in the reality of it and be a true worshiper. Someone who seeks the Father, worships the Father in spirit and truth. Not truth and spirit, because truth without spirit's dead. Spirit of truth. The truth being ignited through the Spirit. We come into this incredible posture. John 1 verse 4 says, In Him, Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Christ was life. Everything contained in the truth, in the word, the living person. It's a person that sets you free, not a book. You can have all the head knowledge you want of the book and not be free because you haven't come into the living reality of the book. There's a church full of that today. 
whole lot of information, a whole lot of people thinking they are in truth, but they're not in freedom because the book hasn't been ignited by the one the book's about. You come to me, you search me in the scriptures, but you cannot find me. Come into the spirit and life posture that's in me that I've come to bring. It'll require you to let go of everything you've ever thought and known and enter into the spirit through revelation for it to be opened up to you. And you'll go, ah, this is what the guy's been talking about or what the word talks about. It's incredible. I'm only in a measure of it, but I want us to come into more of a measure of it. I know what it's doing in my own life. I'm in the most phenomenal place of freedom I've ever been in. Ever. It's amazing to not carry the pressure of this. It's amazing to not have to worry about, well, if this all collapsed tomorrow, it's on me. I'm free from that. It's incredible to be free in your marriage and in your kids and not hold them and bind them and to release them and finances, to just release finances and believe and trust when you've heard him. Release it and not to be locked down to just counting pennies. Now, please hear me. I'm into budgets. Be wise. Use wisdom. But don't be a Grinch, don't be a stinge, don't be mean. and get, Release faith. When God speaks, release it. And believe the disciples went like this. Go away, we can't afford, we don't have enough food to feed you. Go away. They may have died on the journey because there were three days without food. Their natural response, get out of here, we can't help. Jesus goes, whoa, stop the bus. What do you mean we can't help? We're of another kingdom, guys. Come on. I operate. I can take that and that. And it's a little boy. It's an eight-year-old boy maybe that comes with his lunch. His mum said, this is all you got, son, for a week. Eat it wisely. Eat the eye one day. Eat the fin the next. Eat the crust the next because it's all you've got. He says, no, man, I'm offering this up to this guy called Jesus. If you don't enter like a little child, you'll never enter into the kingdom. You'll never come into this reality I'm speaking of because you're acting like a a fool, an adult who's thinking too much. So your child just moves in. Yes, Dad, I believe, and I enter in. Whoa, reality. And this little boy comes, and he says, Here you go. This is what I've got. Will this be enough? I'm glad he didn't give it to the disciples, are you? They probably would have eaten it. He says, that's more than enough, son. Well done, faith, servant, laying your life down. You may have died. What about the woman with the oil and the bread? We've only got enough. And then we're going over there to die. That's it. That's it. He says, no, give me worse. Bake me a cake first. Give to me a cake. What do you mean? We've only got this and then we're dead. No, 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 no. You've got enough to bake me a cake and then I'm going to fill. See, what culture are we living in? What kingdom are we living in? What kingdom do we want to come into? The one that's limited or the one that's unlimited? The one of influence or the one that wants to hold and just keep everybody small and ourselves small? You see, it's about a demonstration. Fruit of the Spirit. Love. That's just one 
of the demonstrations that is to be coming through you and I. Love. Not just something you say at a nice wedding. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 13. Everyone goes, that's so lovely, but we're not living in it. Do you know the church is to demonstrate that love on the earth? Because the Christ is in us to such a measure because we're true worshippers. We've come into this posture of spirit and truth that it's just a natural outworking of you. Let me read it to you to love like this. I'm going to read. Listen to this, okay? Love is patient. Natural outworking because of the posture of the Christ that lives within you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. And it's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Listen to this. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and it endures all things, and it never fails. The fruit of the Spirit, the first fruit is love. Who's the Spirit? God. God is Spirit. My worshippers worship me in Spirit and truth. I contain everything that's in the Spirit. So what he's saying is my worshippers worship me in love. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's fully possible. Love one another as yourself, it's fully possible. Why? Because everything's possible in Him. If you're in you, it's not. I'll give you that one. If you're trying to do it in your own strength, you'll never, never come into it. You've got to let go of you and enter in into Him. It's got to be a completely jumping off the cliff. You can't take anything with you. You can't have a safety hook on behind you just in case. I guarantee you this, He'll catch you. My testimony, my experiences. And he catches you. And then you swing like Tarzan. Woohoo! And then you've got to run again and jump off the cliff. And you know what? He's at that greater level of faith and he catches you. And you swing like Tarzan again. And he lets you sit there for a bit. He says, come on, it's time to go again. You and you I remember doing the high ropes course. Go do it. It's amazing. Phenomenal. Man, climbing up the pole, getting on top of the pole 17 meters up, and the pole's about that round. The pole's moving in the wind. And I thought I've accomplished it, and they said, no, no, you've got to jump and catch the trapeze thing. You're joking me. And the feelings. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Sick. The adrenaline's pumping. And you jump. And I caught it. And the experience, the tasting, and the seeing, what I could now give testimony to and tell you a story, because I stepped out and I jumped. I'm only talking about in the physical. In Christ, it's tenfold. And you catch Him. And He catches you. 
And then he says this to you and me. He says, today I give you a new commandment. And that is to love this man as I love you, Greg. And it is fully possible in me, Greg, for you to love and for Chris Logan to experience the love of Christ through you that he would, one, maybe get saved, two, give his life, three, get on fire for God and lay his life down and fulfill the will of God, his will for his life. Fully possible. Because the church is demonstrating God to one another and a lost world. And it's a commandment. And he says, I give you what you need to be able to accomplish it. And those people are my true worshippers. So his grace covers us while we're being transformed. But we've got to be on the journey. If you want to experience the fullness of resurrected life, you have to be on the journey. It'll pass you by otherwise. I'm not talking about eternity, but I'm talking about a life here on earth that brings glory to Him, that fills you to such a measure that you are in such a freedom that all you want to do is dance and sing. That all you want to do is give. All you want to do is love. All you want to do is hang out with Him. All you want to do is go share about this person that you've met, that set you free. In that very thing alone, you are demonstrating Him. And I know today this might sound like a big ask, but how many people know that God calls for big asks? If it's too low, it ain't worth it. It was a big ask for Him to send His Son. It's a big ask to believe in Him when you can't see Him. It's a big ask to let go of your life. It's all big, but it's all worth it because the reality which He brings us into is phenomenal. But no one can give it to you. They can only share of it and pray and hope and walk with one another utilizing the different gifts being one, encouraging one another to run. Come on, don't leave. Don't give up. I know it appears big, but the mountain can be conquered in him when he's in you, through you. That's enough. He wants to lead us into that reality. He wants to disclose the Son, John 16 says, I've given you my Spirit who's going to lead you into this posture of Spirit and truth. I'm going to disclose this reality to you. This year is going to be awesome. It's going to be scary. It's such a... I told you I've been apprehended by this thing and I hope he apprehends all of us it's him so Lord let's invite the guys back Father help us Lord help us encourage us may we encourage one another Lord we don't want to try and do any of this in our own strength 
We can't do it. We won't survive doing it. We will burn ourselves out and kill ourselves or frustrate ourselves and others. So Lord, we, we want to recognize where we're at today. We humbly want to recognize where we're at. We want to acknowledge that before you and maybe before others because that's what your word says. It tells us to admit where we're at and to repent. There's power in releasing it. There's power in getting it out. There's power in saying it. The enemy would have us keep it locked down in the dark. And I'm not talking about sin. So I'm talking about just where you're at with him. We're sons, we're daughters. We don't lose anything by being real. In fact, you gain. We don't lose face with him. We may lose it with some religious people, but who cares? Who cares? Why let someone else restrict you from what God has for you because you're living in fear of someone that will never even judge you when it's he that judges, that he has a reward for you? So by being vulnerable and honest, Man, that creates hope. I, res- I respect that full on when people are honest. In our life group two weeks ago, someone just got really honest and it opened up the group. It actually empowers change and love gets released. And then we need to repent of that and then ask the Spirit to come and fill us so why don't we just do this right now only if if you feel a conviction right now only if you feel a conviction I would ask you to stand and I'd ask you to go through that process just in your own mind of acknowledging where you're at So recognize it. You've recognized it. You're going to acknowledge it to him. You're then going to repent. And then I want us to, I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with more of him. So only if you feel a conviction, I ask you to stand right now. If you don't, that's fine. You don't have to try and work one up. You'll know. And then just go through that process. And then I'm just going to pray. So by standing, you're acknowledging it, acknowledging it. And repent of it and then I'm going to pray we'll do that now Absolute beauty personified. Your radiance is incredible. Your color is extreme. Your nature 
is so one of abundance and resourceful that we can get lost in you and be transformed in and through you that we reflect you Father you look for humility in the heart of man humility is the thing that will unlock this reality pride shuts it down but humility opens it up vulnerability opens up transparency enables it so God you see every heart that's standing right now you know the posture of it you know the hunger of it you know the desire of every heart and I ask by faith and with boldness Lord that you would fill every heart and every mind to the measure that you have already perceived in your mind you would fill every brother and sister every child of yours right now God through an act of the spirit I ask you to increase the measure of you in them pour out Lord you are poured out I ask you to pour out love into the hearts of your people Romans 5, 5 says the love of God was poured out. I pray, God, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in the knowledge of you. The living knowledge that sets a person free. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be poured out. That we would come to know the riches of life now and the future. It's fully possible to receive that now and to see the future and receive it now. I pray, God, we would be children who are maturing. Children who maintain a childlike faith. You say, let the children come to me. That's physical and there's a spiritual truth in there as well. You can be a 55-year-old child with the maturity of a 250-year-old person. You can be a 5-year-old child with the maturity of a 55-year-old person because of the heart of the person and the hunger for the Father, for the love of the Father. So Holy Spirit, lead us. Pour yourself out now. I ask this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Lead us into all truth. Guide us into all truth. Teach us. Transform us and change us. In Jesus' name.